0: We are glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Capps. And we're talking about the book of Hebrews. You know it's quite different from the other things that I've taught. First time I've ever just really taken a book, so there's no doubt where we are, we're in the book of Hebrews. So We're in the 8th chapter, or have gotten down to the 8th chapter. I want us to back up into the 7th chapter and review just a few things here, a few verses, so we can see what the 8th chapter is referring to when it starts out. And Hebrews, the 7th chapter, verse 19 says, For the law maketh nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. Now, you see, this is Paul's contention or the thing that he's revealing throughout this book is that the old law has passed away. There is a new covenant that has come in its place. And he said the old law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. Thank God for hope because a better hope was based on better promises and on Mm -hmm. Jesus being the surety of the new covenant. Verse 22 states that, By so much was Jesus made a surety of the Better Testament, or we could say of the New Testament, because certainly the New Testament is better than the Old Testament, because if it wasn't, we'd still be under the Old if it had been perfect. Then verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him by God, seeing he ever liveth, and maketh intercession for them. Now let's come into the 8th chapter here. He says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum: We have such a high priest who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary, and of a true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. In other words, Paul is bringing out the fact that under the old covenant and the Things of the tabernacle here on earth that it was only a shadow of things to come. But now, this is the high priest and the true tabernacle that he is referring to that's in heaven that God has pitched and not man, what man's doing. For every high priest is ordained to order gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat to offer. In other words, any priest that came into the tabernacle had to have something to offer. There had to be something to offer not only for himself, but also then in the holiest of holies for the sins of the people. Now, hold place right there and let's skip over to the 10th chapter in verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, now speaking of Jesus, in fact, let's back up here to verse 4 and 5. For it is not possible that the blood of Of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Now you notice the connection here that we're making, we'll get into that just a little further on in some of the other sessions. But he said, For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat to offer. Now, Jesus didn't come bringing the blood of bulls and goats, as the earthly priests did. But he says, a body thou hast prepared me, sacrifice and offerings. God was not well pleased with those, because they would not take away the consciousness of sin. And the people's consciousness of sin was still there. But Jesus said, a body you have prepared me. And I think it's important. I think we've mentioned this in some of the other sessions, but let's relate to it again. The fact that God did prepare Jesus a body as a sacrifice for the sins of the world and to redeem mankind as a sin offering. And this body was a flesh, blood, and bone body. See, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But Jesus had a body prepared him. He took on the nature of Abraham's seed. He didn't come as an angel. He didn't come as God in all of his divine Godhead powers, even though he was God manifest in the flesh for the purpose of redeeming mankind, but he laid down his divine Godhead powers when he came to the earth. The first 30 years of Jesus on this earth shows him in all of his fullness of being a man. For 30 years, he never did one single miracle. For 30 years, he never cast out any demons. But yet, he was a son of God. There's no doubt about that. And certainly, he was deity. But yet, he operated as a man. And I think this is a point that really can't be stressed too much because I think we've kind of passed over this and missed it down through the years that we have thought that Jesus did all these things because he was the Son of God, or he did them to prove that he was the Son of God. But surely he was the Son of God when he was 25 and 26 and 27 and 28 and 29 years old, as much as he was when he was 30. But you see, when he was baptized in the River Jordan, the anointing of God came upon him, the Holy Ghost descended upon him. And if you follow that there, in fact, I think it'd be good if we had turned to that there in the Luke, the fourth chapter. And just refresh our memory to some of the things that Jesus stated here. Because when Jesus went into his own hometown there, after he had received in the third chapter related there, how the Holy Ghost descended upon him, he was 30 years of age. Then we come over to the fourth chapter of Luke, verse 16. He says, He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and He stood up for to the read. There was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written. Now notice, it says He found the place. He didn't just say, well, I guess I'll just open it and read here. But He deliberately took this text. And it says that, he read from the text what God said about him. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, you notice in the statement here, Jesus just simply says what God said about him. He was sent here to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. But the thing that I want to point out in this verse of Scripture is the fact that Jesus proclaimed what God said was that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because God had anointed him. Now, Acts 10.38, Peter brings this out. He said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, see, it was necessary for Jesus to be here as a man. It was absolutely imperative that he have the body of a man. God couldn't come in here and just start destroying the works of the devil because of what he had said in Genesis 1. He gave man authority over this planet, over all the work of his hands. He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let them have dominion over all the earth, over all the work of his hands, the fish of the sea, the cattle, and and all the creeping things. So Jesus came here as a man to fulfill the purpose of God. 1 John 3, 8, the latter part of the verse, makes this statement. It says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil, loosen, dissolve, and undo the works the devil had done, what the Amplified says about it. So that was the purpose that Jesus came to this earth, to undo all that Satan had done through Adam and to bring about salvation, redemption, and redeem mankind. Now it was necessary, absolutely necessary, that Jesus have a physical body and be a man on this planet because it was men that God gave the authority of this planet. Now, I don't want to go into great detail into this, but I do want to carry it far enough till you catch a glimpse of what it's referring to over here when he said, A body, thou hast prepared me. A sacrifice. His physical body was the vehicle that transported his spirit around here on earth. And you see, it's very necessary that we as a spirit being have a body, a physical body on this earth because spirit beings can do very little on this planet unless they have a physical body. So Jesus, born on this planet, was born of a woman, the physical birth. Remember, Jesus told Nicodemus two secrets there in the third chapter of John. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So when we're born on this planet, the first time we're born of flesh. That really is a legal entry into this earth. And then when we're born of the Spirit of God, we're born the second time, is what we call being born again, when we submit our lives and commit our lives to Jesus Christ, and we become a new creation that never existed before. Like the Apostle Paul stated in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, he said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, we know he's talking about that all things have passed away spiritually, all things. It didn't change you completely physically, even though it would have some effect on you. But now, the thing that I'm referring to here is the fact that a body, God had prepared Jesus a body. He had to have the body for the sacrifice. That was the sacrifice that He had sent Him here to redeem mankind. Now, Jesus' physical body was a flesh blood, and bone body likened to our body, because it says He took not on Him the nature of angels. He came here as a mortal man. God bless you. I do appreciate you joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. Before I leave the broadcast, I want to remind you, all this week we have CD offer number 7217. It's entitled, The Others of Hebrews 11. Two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling. A total of $19. The others of Hebrews 11, some escaped the edge of the sword. Others didn't. Some were sawn asunder. Some were caused great harm and defeat under the Old Covenant. We have a better New Covenant. It's established on better promises. They didn't have the name of Jesus in that day. Another thing that happened under the Old Covenant, these people suffered things not necessarily because God would not deliver them, but because it was so important that what they were doing, they decided not to take deliverance. They didn't take deliverance. You remember the Apostle Paul? On one occasion, he said, it doesn't matter to me what happens to me in Jerusalem. I'm going anyway. But then another place, he was surrounded in the city by a garrison, and he escaped by being let down over the wall in a basket. So. The others of Hebrews 11 said some escaped, others didn't. It was a choice sometimes. But so many people think, well, you know, we're going to experience the same things that they experienced under the Old Covenant. Not necessarily, because we have an intercessor. We have Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. We have the authority to use His name. We have given the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, we're only limited to what we can believe based on the authority of the Word of God. That's offer number 7217, two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling, a total of $19. I believe this series will help you understand what happened to the others of Hebrews 11. We have a toll-free order line. It's 1-877-396-9400. Until tomorrow, this is Charles Capps reminding you that the enemy is defeated, God is exalted, and Jesus is coming soon. To order the product offered today, call one 396 9400 or write Charles Caps, P.O. Box 69, England, Arkansas, 72046. A complete list of CDs, books, and DVDs are available online at CharlesCaps.com.